let's uh, let's pray, and then we'll look into God's word this morning. God, we uh, we're grateful for your Holy Spirit, and again, just remind ourselves that what we do here this morning is not a uh, religious activity. It is not a uh, habitual activity, and it's not just a cognitive activity. It's a spiritual activity. We believe supernaturally something goes on when your Holy Spirit engages us and opens up uh, our eyes and our hearts so we can see and hear things that you're saying to us. That's what we want. So when we study the Bible, we don't want to just tickle our brains. We want you to wake up our hearts. And uh, we pray for that, and we ask that in your name. Uh, amen. Hey, quick update, too. I forgot. Uh, Bill and Judy Downey, and Esther knows them. Um, I don't know, Esther, Judy had cancer. She just got done with, uh, um, what do they call it? Stem cell treatment and radiation. So they're home now, and Bill said they have to kind of stay home, and they, they don't want meals because they really have to guard themselves kind of germ-wise, not just COVID, but other things. So I talked to Bill this morning, actually, but uh, he said things are going as well as possible. Judy still doesn't feel well and things, but and Judy apparently told Kathy she's balder than a cue ball. It was kind of weird for her to feel that way. So, But um, actually, let me just take a second to, to pray for them. God, I pray for Bill and Judy, and I pray even this moment in their home, peace and joy, supernaturally sent by your Holy Spirit, would permeate their home, not just now, but all this week while they're home. There would be an irrational, inexplainable peace and joy they know comes from you. And we ask that in your name. Amen. So uh, I'm doing a new series today, but here's the start. I'm going to start with this question. How do you wake up in the morning? Um, and I... I grew up, uh, I have a twin brother, so we slept in the same bedroom growing up, and we had an alarm clock that woke us up for school, and it was, my brother slept here, I slept in this side of the room, but the alarm clock was over here, and I don't know if you remember some of those early electric alarm clocks, when they went off, it was like, Wah! like a fire alarm, right? And so my twin brother always would be irritated, because when the alarm went off, I jumped out of bed and was at the alarm probably in a fraction of a second. I mean, I wake up, boom, like that. And it would wake him up because I would jar him awake. But I, the question is, how do you wake up? Some of you probably wake up more slowly. <laughs> you, might, you might have some I wake up sometimes with my phone. There's all kinds of different tones you can wake up to. I mean, this is illuminate. And here's radiate. Then there's silk. That's a little bit soft. I'll do one more. Classic. Oh, there's a whole more I didn't know here. Crickets. All right? So I'm not going to go through the whole list, but how do you wake up in the morning? Some of you are slow waker-uppers. Um, some people like music. I mean, you have alarm clocks that can play music really soft, and then it gets louder. Uh, some people have, I've seen alarm clocks that will get a light on, and then it gets brighter, so you can wake up kind of gradually. Um, I don't know why, but I've always been a, when the alarm goes off, I'm awake. I mean, I'm just, that's how I am. And it kind of irritates Kathy sometimes, too. Not only my twin brother from my youth, but. So this whole idea of waking up, and how do we wake up? And, and then I'm going to transition now to a term you've all seen in our culture today. The term woke. And let me just say up front, we're not mocking the term right now. But I'm using this term as kind of an opening up to talk what we're going to talk about the next, I don't know, six weeks. So you, you may or may not have heard the term, somebody's woke. And... Uh, usually has some political, social justice tension around it. But I thought, I, I, I wanted to research how this term even got in the English language, how, why we use it, and let me just get a couple things. Oh, this is interesting, but this is kind of germane to our conversation, all right? 
So there was a singer, Erica Badu, 2008, came out with this song called Master Teacher. I don't have it on my playlist. I just looked it up. I was trying to understand. But she has a line in her song. Most people trace back how this started coming into the cultural language of this song, because there's a part of the chorus. She talks about, I'm looking for another world. I'm dreaming for better things. And the chorus is like, I stay woke, I stay woke, I stay woke. I mean, just keeps repeating that. I was going to play part of it in church, but then when I looked at the whole song, there's many words that are inappropriate to be playing in church. And then my, my son David said, Dad, there's probably a clean version. And then he looked online and goes, no, no, there's too many words in there, Dad. So, so it was, uh, but it was just, and they said that, that that song kind of became kind of in the African-American culture, a term for being aware and, a, and paying attention to that things aren't the way they should be. Kind of challenging the status quo in the African-American culture was kind of a, uh, kind of a racial issues or how things need to change. So the song was I Stay Well. And then people even trace it back a little bit to a movie from 1988, which I haven't seen, but it's called uh, School Days, directed by Spike Lee. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. It uh, takes place on an African-American historically black college campus. And... Uh, they just kind of are doing life, and Lawrence Fishburne, his character, realizes they need to pay, the status quo is not working. It's not good. In that case, it was even how they were treating each other, but also some racial issues. So there's a number of times in the movie, and this is one of them, you can't see the picture that well, where he just screams, wake up! And he, and he screams it and screams it. But so this waking up and being woke, at least most people trace it to these kind, this, this and there's one other movie too, but... It means being aware, being aware of something that's off in the status quo. Typically, it meant being aware of something off in the, in the African-American world and maybe racial issues. And then it kind of grew to now it includes other social issues, um, sexual issues, LGBTQ plus kind of stuff, and white privilege and all kinds of stuff. And you might have heard that term. And, and it usually, and, and it, this kind of kind of approach it this way it's used a lot by people to mock uh, a certain political perspective we're not mocking it i'm just i'm saying it's i'm saying because i want to understand that the culture wants people to be woke and being woke usually means being aware of certain social issues and having a certain political perspective about those issues but just right now just help me just stay with me and saying woke means understand that woke means being aware being aware that the status quo isn't good. There's something off with the status quo. All right? So, uh, but I'm going to, this series I'm talking to, we do the next six weeks, so I was going to call this, Jesus wants you to wake up. I'm not going to say Jesus wants you to be woke, because I don't want people to be confused with that term, but Jesus wants us to wake up. And uh, waking up kind of, again, it means being aware that the status quo is not good, it's not healthy. There is a way, there's a world we can dream of that's better. And again, I'm not, this is not about politics, this is not a right and left thing. Um, we're not, I'm not trying to fight the culture. Because our job isn't to fight the culture, our job is to make sure the church is the radiant bride that Jesus wants us to be. Our job is the church, our job is us. I mean, the church's job is not to point fingers at the culture and say, shame on you, culture. The church's job is to challenge one another to be the fully alive, fully free, fully joyful, peaceful, courageous people that God made us to be. That's our job. Our job is not to critique the culture. 
I mean, we can, we can have our opinions, and of course, if the best critique of the culture is us being the kind of people who are full of the Holy Spirit, having joy and peace and things like that. So part of this uh, series, that uh, a large part is, I'm gonna, but I'm going to be talking about what I'll just call some of the woke issues of our culture. For example, uh, probably starting in a week or two, we're going to each, a week on each of these, maybe more, Jesus wants to wake up, and before you take, make a judgment about my perspective, let me just explain. He wants to wake up about racism, about white privilege, about LGBTQ people, other religions, about violence, uh, you know, whatever people call gun violence or whatever. I'm not going to make a statement. It's not political on guns or anything, but every one of these weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find, I'm going to start with a, a teaching of Jesus. What did he actually say about a certain thing? And then we'll build our understanding from there. Part of my concern with Christians today is we start with what's going on in the culture. And we say, oh, they're raising a flag about this. Or, oh, we, and then we build our argument. From, we kind of we mimic what the culture is doing and just put a God bumper sticker on it. But we always, have to, we always have to build our thinking on the teachings of Jesus. right? And not what we hope Jesus would have said. And I've heard people say, well, Jesus is all about the poor people. And I said, this is a pastor told me, we all know Jesus is all about the poor and he's all about those who are economically challenged. And I said to this pastor, can you show me in the Bible where he said that? Of course, Jesus cares about the poor, but when he sent the disciples out, he sent them out to teach and preach about the kingdom of heaven. He didn't, tend, he didn't send them out to run economic programs. And again, I'm not saying Jesus doesn't care about the poor, but too often we, we kind of, we put words into Jesus' mouth that he didn't say. So for all these issues, even about racism, that week we're going to talk about Jesus telling the story about the Good Samaritan. Jews hated the Samaritans. He went right into a racial issue, went right to their hearts, and that's what we need to go. So the point is, let's go to our hearts and figure out how we're supposed to respond. We're not supposed to respond right, left, blue, red, whatever, you know. We're supposed to respond in the culture of how Jesus would want us to respond. And yes, there's issues, even on, you know, LGBTQ. Jesus himself said... In the beginning, God made them male and female. So a man leaves his parents and cleaves to his wife. Jesus spoke really clearly about marriage and sexuality. But also, he was very tender towards sexually broken people. Women called in adultery, prostitutes. So how do you hold on to the truth of what he says, but also the tender mercy that he showed people who were sexually broken? As if he, didn't, he didn't scream at them. He didn't point fingers. So every week we're going to talk about these issues, and again, it will not be at all political. It's more of what, what's, this, what's the words, the teaching, and the heart of Jesus say on this? Not the Jesus that we wish he would be, but the Jesus that he says he is in Scripture. Because the foundation of kind of how we think about church here at Exodus is, and you've been around long enough, foundation number one is we trust Jesus. We trust what he said, what he did, who he said he was. But we also then say we trust the Bible because we believe Jesus trusts the Bible. So everything is based on that. We're not going to, we don't get our, we don't study these issues by reading uh, culturally relevant books. Those are helpful to inform us what's happening in the culture. But we don't build an argument on what the culture tells us. Whether it's Fox News or CNN, we don't build our Christian understanding of these issues from those perspectives. We build it from Jesus. So we start there, all right? So uh, that'll start probably 
This week I was telling my son David, this is where I'm, because David's out of town with my wife today. I was telling him yesterday what I'm going to be talking on. He goes, you better be careful what you say, Dad. You're going to offend people. And I said, no, it's not, my tent isn't offend people. And I've said this before when we did, uh, when I did a series years ago on sexuality. I, I'm going to do my best to say, this is what the Bible says and Jesus says. It's not, it's not what I believe. It's what Jesus said. And you don't have to believe what Jesus said. But if you're going to believe something you, and you want to base it on what Jesus said, let's at least know what he said. You can believe whatever you want to believe, but you, if you want to base it on the Bible and on Jesus, you have to understand what he said on these issues. So it's more of, uh, my, I guess if people, and, and I'm, I'm not assuming people here, but if people would be offended by what I'm saying, I'm hoping their, their offense is more of they're upset that Jesus said it, not that I believe it, because I'm only going to believe what Jesus said, right? You understand what I'm saying on that? So, so, um, so here's, go to, the, so go, so go to the next slide. What we're... I just I have like seven slides we're going to flip through really quick because we're going to talk today just about some things Jesus said about waking up. This is times where the Bible just uses the phrase, wake up, all right? We're going to read like seven or eight in a row, all right? And just to help us kind of think about waking up, I have a wake-up bell, all right? I'm going to give Johnny the wake-up bell. So whenever we say, wake up, Johnny, you ring the bell, all right? It's in yellow, so that should help you out, all right? But I want us to think because when the Bible says wake up, it is kind of this Almost like he's shaking us, all right? So stand up with me. Stand up with me. We're just going to read. It's going to slide after slide after slide. And whenever it says wake up, Johnny's going to ring the bell. We're going to stop and kind of honor the ring and then go from there, all right? This is uh, 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 John chapter 4. Wait, is, this, is, this, is this the first one of many, right, John? Make sure I got it right. Okay, all right. Here we go. But I say wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Next one. Read out loud. This is we read this to start with. A lot of rings here, Johnny. All right. Wake up, my heart. Read with me. Wake up, O lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. All right. Thanks, Johnny. Next one. Isaiah 51. Here we go. Wake up, wake up. O Jerusalem. Out loud with me. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. Next one. Isaiah chapter 52. Wake up, wake up. O Zion. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes, O holy city of Jerusalem. For unclean and godless people will enter your gates no longer. Next one. Romans 13, 10 to 11. Out, out loud with me. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Next one. Ephesians 5, 10 to 14. Out loud with me. Take no part and the worthless deeds of evil and darkness, instead expose them. Their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. All right, next one, First Thessalonians, here we go. You won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you're all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to the darkness and night, so be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Wake up and be clear-headed. Next one, this is the last one. This is actually Jesus talking. If you remember in Revelation, John has a vision where Jesus speaks to him and talks to different churches. This, case, this one, he's talking to the church in Sardis. All right? This is Jesus speaking. Here we go. I know all the things you do, and then you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. All right. You can sit now. Thanks, Johnny. All right. I'll take my bell back, though. 
All right. Now, if nothing else, you will remember that we talked about waking up this morning. You might remember anything else I say, but you'll think, well, Johnny rang a bell for something, but anyway. So the Bible talks a lot about waking up. You know, and it's the same kind of, it's the same initially as being woke. It's like, be aware, kind of, there's something, the status quo of how you are living is not congruent with what could be, all right? So being awake, being woke in the culture, but being awake in the biblical sense is kind of, is, you got to see there's more to what's happening. And in, in this case, Jesus is calling us to kind of, a, like, wake up your hearts. It's not just wake your minds up oh i didn't see that before it's more like do you see what's happening and do you see what's going on so how do we wake up in that sense so what i want to so again the series is called jesus wants you to wake up and this week I'm, we're just going to look at the two passages where jesus actually uses the words wake up because again it starts with us and then in future weeks we'll talk about the various issues that i put up there before racism lgbtq and we'll talk of the, about the words of Jesus. What does he say that helps us wake up about those issues? And wake up to respond in a way that Jesus would with his truth, but also with his mercy. So we're not just, we're not political hacks on either side of the coin or anything. But we're going to try to, what does Jesus say on this issue? And, um, all right. So the two passages, we read both of these, but we're going to talk about both of them. That Jesus actually uses wake up. Not that, I mean, he wants to wake up about a lot of things, but he actually uses the term. I just want to talk about both of these because, again, the wake up is, is us waking up to the Spirit of God. It's not, again, we're not, I'm not asking you to wake up to become political operatives. I'm not asking you to wake up so you can argue with your friends and neighbors at work. Or Most of us don't want to argue about those things because it's too, you know, too heated. All right. I mean, I'll say this. I was in a conversation this week with some faculty at IU because I teach a class. I'm in, and the person on Zoom was, was saying things that I thought, I mean, just, just so you know the world we live in, he would consider most of us racist and misogynist simply because we were born in the color of our skin. And I'm not saying, I'm against political, but I just thought, wow, we're, we're living in a world where these are, so if we don't know how to, if we don't know what Jesus teaches on these things and how we're supposed to be on these things, we're going to be just like a pinball flipping around the machine getting knocked all over the place because we figure, you know, but if, you, if we anchor our thoughts on Jesus and we anchor our hearts on what Jesus says about our hearts, because again, we're not just trying to have right thinking, we want to have right hearts toward people on all these issues, uh, toward the people that, we, that are stereotyped in these issues. We want to have right thinking, but also the mercy and the tenderness of Jesus toward them. All right? But on this one, here's what he said. This is John chapter 4, and the story here, he was just, um, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about racism, but this is right in the middle of Jesus talking uh, to the Samaritan woman at the well. Remember the woman at the well? And, but, but the context here is Jews hated Samaritans. They were half-breeds. I mean, they hated them. In order to go from Jerusalem to Galilee, they would actually walk around a region because they didn't want to defile themselves by stepping in Samaritan territory. They were called the Samaritans dogs. I mean, even good religious Jews hated the Samaritans. I mean, there was a racial, because they were half Jewish, half of another, you know, group. So there was a racial hatred there that I think makes any racism we see in our country seem kind of trite, because they hated each other. So Jesus is, is actually, and he sits at a well with this woman, which again is another strike against Jewish 
uh, norms. Jesus was hanging out with this woman because the other disciples went into town to buy food. And he's talking to her about, you know, her life and her heart. And you might remember he tells her, <laughs> she's like, I'm not married. He goes, oh, you're right, you're not married. You've had five husbands. This is one of the cases where Jesus is very tender toward a sexually broken person. All right? So there's racism, there's sexual, all this stuff. But it's incredible what Jesus does in this passage. But the disciples come back and they're just kind of stunned. And they see him talking to this woman, one, strike one, Jesus. But two, she's Samaritan, strike two, Jesus. And three, she's like a sexually broken person. Strike three. And, and they, they, you can tell from the text, you tell they're kind of shocked. But then Jesus says this, and I think this is like, this is a wake-up call for us. He says, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Because he was talking, he was, if you can call it this way, he was helping this woman see what God has for her and what he, the Messiah, had for her. And he was leading her to himself, leading her to Christ, if I could say it that way. Because what Jesus is saying is, we sometimes get so caught up in, well, I mean, this person's that way, and wow, they're sexually broken, and that person's that way. I don't even like that person. And Jesus is saying, well, wake up. You don't know that that person may be really have a hunger to know God, and you're going to be a part of that conversation with them. Wake up. It might happen. Don't hold people in contempt. I mean, just this week, so my son David runs with a, I call it a posse of friends. They're, they're, it's the same group, and they hang out at our house, and somehow they've never gotten COVID at our house, but it's a posse. They just do everything together. And one of the kids, particularly uh, David, tells us, says and does things that I'll just say, I'll say it this way, a good boy wouldn't say and do, all right? This is a friend of my friend's son, David. So we were at a track meet recently this week, and, and I kind of, I kind of in my heart was a little bit disgusted with this kid, this friend of David. Not, I mean, he's a nice kid, but I just thought, come on, clean up your act, man. I was kind of that kind of a, I'll just call it a religious contempt. All right, still bad, but religious contempt for this kid. And I thought, oh, I wish, you, I wish he'd quit calling himself a Christian. Nah, 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 nah. Well, we're at a track meet this week. David throws shot put. Not very good, but he throws. Sorry, he's not here, but I can say that. <laughs> he's, he is a strong kid. And one of his friends, his same friend, is also part of the shot put discus group. So we're sitting there in our lounge chairs with other parents. And this kid, who I've held in mild religious contempt, his mom says to Kathy, who I'm sitting next to, Hey, and I'll just call the kid Chris. Chris has been asking us some spiritual questions lately, and we don't know how to answer them. We were wondering if he'd talk to you and your husband about it. So I texted the kid a couple days ago. I got his number from his mom because I didn't want David to know I was texting his own. And the kid's like, I would love to talk about these spiritual things. And it was kind of a wake-up call to me because I was kind of holding the kid in contempt like, you call yourself a Christian, but here's what you're doing. But he wants to talk. And who's to say you might be surrounded by people who you, like me, kind of hold in, you know, holy contempt. Still not good, but you never know. They might be, it was a wake-up call for me because I felt like God was saying, don't hold people in contempt like that because you never know what the, I'm, so I'm going to have dinner with the guy this week sometime, this 17-year-old kid, and I just, then I thought, Maybe we all need a wake-up call. And I'm not going to say a wake-up call for evangelism, because that sounds like guilt. 
but a wake-up call to realize there's people around you that are probably having stirring spiritual questions. They don't know what to do with it. I, mean, I would have never guessed this kid had stirring, but, but I was asked to tell him, talking about David with, last night, and David said, oh, Dad, he has a lot of questions spiritually. He has a lot. He hasn't told me anything, Dad, but he says he has a lot. And I thought, here I'm, I'm focused on, look at all the bad things he's doing. But I thought, well, he has a lot of questions. And his parents don't know how to answer him. So I thought, but there may be people like that in your life who have a lot of questions. But if you're like me, you, we spend our time kind of, we block them off because they're kind of doing things they shouldn't be doing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, but wake up. There may be people around you who are ripe for harvest. So if nothing else, wake up to that reality and even pray that God will, I mean, I, what's, what's interesting to me is I've been praying, God, I, I, I really want to, I've told somebody this, I really want to have interaction with people who don't know you because I want to have conversations with them about Jesus. I'm not, I love church people, but I'm, I'm concerned about people who have no connection to Jesus. What, where, what do they do? And I've been praying for that, so it's like, maybe Jesus is answering my prayer. Maybe he'll answer your prayer. If you just pray, God, I want to wake up and see. Is there people around me? And those conversations don't have to be forced. Sometimes they just walk right in your face. So wake up. Jesus says that to us. Wake up. Be alert. Be aware. Pay attention to the conversations around you. You might have one you walk right into. You don't have to force it. You don't have to slam your Bible on somebody's head. You just have the conversation, and all of a sudden, Jesus becomes a topic, and you're like, wow, how did we get here? All right, so wake up. All right. That's, that's the first passage. The other one is from the Revelation passage. And again, this is the passage where Jesus is talking. Revelation, he talks to seven churches. And this is, again, and John's having a vision. But he sees Jesus, and he's challenging all these different churches about the spiritual climate of their churches. And this particular church is in Sardis, the city of Sardis. And, he, and I'll just read, from, leave, this whole, leave this slide up, or I'll read what's before and after it. It says, this, write this letter... Should have brought my reading glasses. I have a hard time reading the font in my Bible, especially when it's red letter and the contrast isn't good. So these things happen when you're 59. Write the letter to the angel of the church at Sardis. This is the message from the one who has sevenfold spirit of God and seven stars. So Jesus is talking. I know the things you do and that you have a reputation for being free, alive, but you are dead. Well, that's pretty stark, Jesus. But he's talking to a church. He's not talking to non-Christians. He's talking to people who think they're Christians, and they are Christians. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains. This is what he says after that. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. That's, wow, Jesus, that's kind of harsh. But he's just saying, no, sometimes we need a wake-up call. I find your actions don't meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white and they will, and they will be worthy. All who, are victims, all, all who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life. And then he says this, anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit is saying and understand. So this, this wake-up call is, are you, are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? And the thing that makes Jesus in this and other passages around this most, if I can say, distraught with us is when we're religious, but we're not spiritually alive. 
And that's the term we use for that. It's hypocrite, right? But going through their emotions religiously, but he's saying, you know, you have a good reputation, but inside you're kind of dead. You're not listening to me. Anybody who hears here, listen to the Spirit. So again, I don't know all of your lives in detail. I know mine. And I need to be challenged with this. Okay, your reputation might be good, but are you listening? Are you paying? Is there a, is there a fire in your soul to have a relationship, to be a friend of Jesus? Or are you just going through the motions, checking off the boxes of go to church, I read my Bible, I do this, I check, 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 I pray before I eat when I'm going out to eat or whatever. But wake up. I mean, Jesus seems really, really passionate about, about being people who live the life he wants us to live. And so both these things, whether it's waking up the people around you who have spiritual questions but you might hold in some kind of disgust because of their lifestyle, or waking up to the reality of uh, Jesus might need to bring a really big bell in your ear and say, wake up. There's more. Again, what is waking up? It's, it's when you're aware that there's more than what you're experiencing. The status quo is not acceptable. Wake up. Maybe the life you're living as a Christian and follower of Jesus is really, really, in your mind, I'm, okay, I'm doing better than I used to do. That's great. But wake up. There's more. Wake up. There's more. There's more to what Jesus wants for you. There's more for the Holy Spirit can do in your life. There's more. So I'm not, I'm not saying this in, as a uh, condemnation of any of us, myself included, but it's like there's always more to what the Spirit of God can and wants to do in all of our lives. I mean, he, he changed the world with you know, 12 men. We're not, we're not a large group here, but we can, we can change things. We wake up. And who, well, <laughs> the challenge with that is we don't know what he wants to wake us up to, and it's going to challenge and stretch each one of us in a lot of ways. So even when I talk, like I said, when we talk the next few weeks about some of these other issues, and you, I hope you get the heart and the spirit of how I'm saying it now, it's more about how do we wake up not to have right thinking on the issues. We want to have that. But how do we also wake up to how do we love and show mercy to people really in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus? So when it comes to sexually broken people, you know, and I, I you know, LGBTQ+, but I'm sexually broken. We're all sexually broken. But how do we respond to that has to come out of the heart of Jesus. How we respond on racial issues, right or wrong, or has to come out of the heart of Jesus. It can't come from CNN or Fox News. It just can't. All right? Um, the, Jesus has a lot more wisdom than either one of those networks, right? So uh, that's, my, that's my prayer. That's my challenge. In the next few weeks, we'll be talking about those things. But again, I want, I want you to understand the spirit of which I'm going to be talking about. It is more about our revival. How do we become the people God wants to be? Not about uh, political discourse, if that makes sense. All right. I mean, there's always political ramifications of all these things, but that's not, our calling is not political discourse. Our calling is to be the people who are the followers of Jesus with the spirit of Jesus inside of us that bring life and hope and peace and joy to the world. That's our job. And the church's job is to remain pure and follow Jesus, not follow culture. Right? That's our job. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. So let me pray. Um, actually, I want to just keep your eyes closed, but I want everybody just take take a second and you can ask this question of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to hear from this morning? Just ask that.
Ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to hear? Maybe there's something that you that I said or was said that you want to remember and maybe respond to. So Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. And you even said the Spirit would remind us of things that you said, Jesus. So I pray for each one of us throughout this week that you'll remind us that you told the disciples and you told us, wake up, the harvest is ripe around you. Would you remind us of that this week? Even, even with people that we don't like, maybe you remind us that those people may have some burning spiritual questions. And maybe we're the ones you're sending. But you also help us to wake up to ways in which we've kind of become numb to our own sleepiness. And maybe been okay with... Uh, uh, a napping kind of spiritual status quo for our lives because we don't we don't want to be that we want to be all that you want us to be we want all of the holy spirit has for us we want more than what we currently have because we know we don't have it all because we want the the power and the courage and the joy and the peace and the mercy and the kindness that totally are embodied in you jesus we want that in our lives we want to change not just our lives, families, marriages, relationships. We want to change our culture by how we change, by your spirit changing inside of us. And then we become this healing salt that we are called to be the salt in the middle of the world. We want to be that kind of salt that brings hope and healing to the world. So, Jesus, we love you, and uh, we want to listen to what you have to say. And if you need to ring a bell in our ears this week, will you just ring and ring and ring till we wake up? We ask this all in your name. Amen. So uh, we have communion every week at Access, you know. And, um, pick that up. So uh, Aaron's gonna, Aaron, come on up and just you can lead us in a couple songs. But Jesus said, uh, you know, I grew up in a church where on the communion table, maybe you did too, it's, it was etched in wood, do this in remembrance of me. And because that's what he said, remember me, remember me. And I, really what he's kind of implying is don't just remember me, remember what I said and did. So he told us to wake up. And when we take his body, his blood into us, we're basically saying, I, I, I want to hear what you're saying. Remember, remember what I'm saying. So go ahead and tear off. You have, you have the communion uh, packets or whatever you want to call them. Um, go ahead and tear the, take the cellophane off. You have to eat the bread and the cup, and and uh, but take it as an invitation to Jesus to wake wake you up to what's happening that you're not seeing around you, or what's happening in your own life that He wants to rev up. All right. So Jesus, we're grateful, we're thankful uh, that you let yourself allowed yourself to be crucified on our behalf, um, not simply to take away our sins, although we're grateful for that. But then your resurrection gives us a kind of life, the spirit inside of us. And as we take this into our bodies, we want to take more of the Holy Spirit in us that loves to ring bells in our, in our ears and ring bells in our hearts because we want to be the fully alive people uh, that you designed us to be. So we're grateful, Jesus. Thanks. Thank you for doing that for us. Amen.